Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. During the season of Lent, we are often asked to reflect on how we can change our lives to become more like Jesus. Towards this end, over the next six weeks, we are going to focus on what is known as the fruit of the Spirit. I hope you enjoy. I hope that you all are doing well at home this evening. We want to, of course, wish you the best in the midst of this really challenging time. And if you've been here during the season of Lent, you know that we've been doing a sermon series called The Fruit of the Spirit. And the idea behind this series is that the more in touch you are with God's Spirit inside of you, the more you come to embody certain qualities. And these qualities are outlined for us by Paul in his letter to the church in Galatia. They are self-control, patience, kindness, joy, generosity, gentleness, peace, faithfulness, and love. Tonight, we are going to be dealing with faithfulness, and on Sunday, we will be talking about love. Before we dive down deep into this, I think it would behoove us to talk about what does it mean to be faithful? Generally, when we use the word faithfulness, we mean it as something akin to loyalty. And I can tell you that, generally speaking, the times that we use the word faithful is usually in marriage. So when I'm about to marry two people, I will ask the couple if they are going to be faithful to one another. In other words, are you going to be there for them? When things get hard, are you going to stand by their side or are you going to abandon them? And this is a question we should be asking not just in our marriages, but in all of our relationships, whether it be with other members of our family, with our friends, with our community, and in particular, with our relationship with God. When things get challenging, when things get difficult, are you going to stick with it? Are you going to be loyal when you have every single reason to turn and go the other way? Are you going to be dedicated to that person? Are you willing to stick it out? And we're actually going to talk about a lot of different elements of faithfulness tonight and what that means in terms of our relationship with Jesus and what it means for Good Friday. And to begin this, I'd actually like to start by talking a little bit about the events leading up to Jesus's arrest and execution. So scholars estimate that Jesus began his ministry sometime around the age of 30, although we can't be sure about that. But what we do know is that around the time that Jesus began his ministry, the economy was very similar to what we are dealing with today. The economy of the world at that time was really run by the Roman Empire, and it had come to a standstill. The only difference between what we deal with today in terms of our economy versus back then is that the cycles between hardship and prosperity were much longer at that time. Today, they're very truncated because everything moves so quickly. So if we assume that Jesus began his ministry sometime around 28 AD, that would tell us that the people of Galilee had been in an economic depression for more than a decade. Now, at that time, because they had been dealing with all of these economic circumstances, that meant that many people, they were out of work, it meant that they were struggling to get by. It meant that they were really dealing with a difficult time in terms of being able to feed themselves. And so as a result of this, revolution was becoming a lot more of a thing that people were thinking about. Revolts were more commonplace. You had people, bands of youth coming together. And so when Jesus formed his particular movement, his movement was the latest 
in a long line of people who had started to raise movements to try to challenge the establishment. Jesus began his movement with his friends. Peter, James, and John, these are people who Jesus likely knew before he ever started. Even though in the Gospels, what we see is that Jesus seems to just go up to them and say, you know, come, follow me, and he has no interaction with them beforehand, it is likely that he did know them. And so these four guys in particular, they walked around Galilee, and while they were in Galilee, they were preaching about the coming of God's kingdom. Jesus was performing healings, and they were picking up converts. Now, according to the Gospels, what it tells us is that Jesus named 12 men to be his disciples. But as we can see from what we read tonight, particularly with the women being at his crucifixion, women were a very integral part of Jesus's ministry. They were probably his advisors and his confidants throughout everything that he was doing. Now, we don't entirely know for sure how many people joined Jesus's movement. To be sure, many of Jesus's counterparts, people who were doing what he was doing, they were trying to raise movements that would go against the wealthy aristocracy. And depending on how desperate people were feeling, those movements could gain many hundreds, if not thousands of followers. Jesus' movement probably never developed more than a few hundred people, but we don't really know that for sure. What we do know for sure is that what set Jesus apart, what gave him his particular distinctive flavor, was the fact that he was specifically nonviolent. When your leader is telling you that anger is a sin and that your best defense and offense against your oppressors is to love your enemy and to turn the other cheek. Clearly, these types of teachings are not going to be super attractive to people who are on the verge of starvation and losing their homes. So at the most, his movement probably only gained a few hundred followers, and if that. And so what we do know for sure, though, is that whoever it was who was following Jesus, they began to fall away from him as Jesus asked them to take his teachings and put them into practice. It's one thing to say you believe in the teachings of nonviolence and pacifism. It's a whole other thing when you find yourself in harm's way. And this is the first thing that I want to raise up for you tonight when we're talking about faithfulness. What it means to be faithful is that you are willing to take your beliefs and put them into practice. We as Christians, we are really, really good at telling people how they should live their lives. We're really good at telling people what we think is right and wrong. But we are generally very bad at taking those beliefs and putting them into practice. When you talk a lot and you don't actually do it, that is called hypocrisy. And one of the reasons why Christians, I think, struggle so much with this is because we have doubts as to whether or not Jesus' teachings are actually going to be able to be effective in achieving their goal. It's hard for us to imagine how loving somebody who hates us is going to achieve anything. It's hard for us to imagine how not fighting back against somebody who wants to harm us is ultimately going to make us victorious. And the moment that we find ourselves in a position where we have to take those beliefs and actually convert them over into actual 
practice, into actions. That's oftentimes when those doubts begin to creep in, and then that's when we back away. And we say, well, I mean, of course, I believe in the practices of nonviolence, that's fine, but don't actually ask me to do them. And this is a big part of what it means to be faithful. In Christianity, as a Christian, if you're going to be faithful, being faithful means that you are willing to accept that Jesus' teachings are valid and can be effective, which I understand can be very, very hard for us to do when you personally have trouble imagining how exactly those teachings are going to work out. That's exactly what happened with Jesus' disciples when he was making his way to Jerusalem. So he told them, guys, it's time. We're going to be putting these teachings of nonviolence into practice. And that was a big deal because they were going up against Roman soldiers. These are men who had no compunction about hurting them. And so one by one, all of Jesus' entourage started to fall away until eventually even his most dedicated friend, his best friend, Peter, denied ever having been associated with him. In the end, Jesus was all by himself. He was all alone in front of Pontius Pilate, the most powerful politician in the Holy Land. And that's because Jesus was the only one in his group who was willing to take those teachings all the way to their conclusion. He was the only one who was truly willing to act them out. And this is the second thing that I want to highlight for you about faithfulness tonight. Being faithful means going against the crowd. It often means that you're going to go against the crowd. It often means doing what you think is right, even when everybody else is telling you that it's wrong. And this is really, really hard for us to do. Humans, we like to conform. We don't like the social judgment of feeling like we're going against the crowd. We will go down the path of least resistance because it is the easiest thing to do. We will even do it when it means that we will compromise our values. But what Jesus demonstrates to us is that you need to be willing to follow God's call. You need to be willing to do the right thing even when everyone else is telling you that it's wrong. And you can see this when Jesus goes before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate demands that he defends himself, and Jesus offers no defense for his actions whatsoever. He simply accepts the fate that comes with his choices. And this is the third and final thing that I want to highlight for you tonight about faithfulness. True faithfulness is when you are willing to do what is right regardless of the consequences. Jesus was willing to follow his teachings even though he knew it would result in a horrible end. He was willing to be faithful to what he believed God was calling him to do rather than seek out security for himself. And this is what I actually want to spend some time focusing on this evening because to me, this aspect of faithfulness is perhaps the most inspirational. When a person is willing to do what is right regardless of the consequences, that is the highest form of honor that a person can aspire to. And right now, in our world, we have a lot of people who are aspiring to that level of faithfulness. We live in a very dark time, just like Jesus was living in. It's a different reason why it's dark, but it's still dark. There are hundreds of thousands of people right now around the world who are suffering and they are dying 
because of the coronavirus. And yet at the same time, we have tens of thousands of medical workers who are willing to work tirelessly to help these people. They are willing to put their lives on the line so that these people who are sick have a chance at life. Now, I think that is absolutely remarkable because in many cities around the country, it's all hands on deck. Nurses, doctors, clinicians, they're being asked to work 36-hour shifts or more to deal with the influx of people that are coming through their doors. We see this happening right now in New York City. You've probably seen the news reports. You've watched it happen. It is a really dire circumstance there with the hundreds of people who are dying every single day. And then on top of that, you have all the essential workers, like grocery store workers, who are keeping all of our grocery stores filled with groceries. They are making sure we have enough to eat while people are walking through their aisles and their checkout lines, possibly giving them an infection. These are the faithful ones in our midst. These are the ones who are the glue that are keeping our society held together in the midst of a really, really challenging time. Well, the best the rest of us can do is stay at home, be isolated, and hope that we can bring the infection rate down to zero. We are all doing our best to be faithful in this really uncertain time. And I can't help but think that what we are experiencing now is exactly the way that the disciples felt when they saw Jesus crucified on Good Friday. When they saw him executed, it must have been like their entire world was crashing down around them. Everything they had worked for over the last two to three years was gone in an instant. And so once it was all over, they looked at each other and they said, what do we do now? We don't have anywhere to go. And so they just decided, you know what? We should go home. And like us, they sat there in their homes trying to figure out how do we pick up the pieces? How do we move on with our lives? And as we will talk about on Easter Sunday, Peter, James, and John, what they eventually realized with Jesus' resurrection is if they were going to be faithful to Jesus and continue his movement, then they were actually going to have to take Jesus' teachings and put them into practice. They realized that believing in Jesus was not enough. They realized that if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you actually have to do what Jesus did. You have to sacrifice. You have to be willing to do what is right regardless of the consequences. And once they were willing to take that step, once they were willing to put their lives on the line, that is when Christianity went from a religion of one to the largest religion on the planet. Now, in a couple of months, we will have the opportunity to come back together again. And when we do, I think we need to talk about, as a church, what does it mean for us here at First Pres to be faithful? I once heard a pastor say that if you are preaching the gospel message correctly, that your church will actually get smaller, not larger. And the reason why he said that is because Jesus' teachings demand a lot of us. They demand a level of sacrifice that most of us are not willing to give. And I remember he said something really interesting. He said, beware the church that is growing by leaps and bounds, because that church is probably offering the ease of belief over the sacrifice of action. And that really struck me. I had never thought about that before. 
And then he said, it is very, very easy for us to believe in Jesus. It is much, much harder for us to actually live those beliefs out. And when you think about it, that is absolutely true. Every single one of Jesus's disciples said at one point in time that they believed in Jesus, but none of them, not one, was willing to be able to take those teachings and put them into action when it counts. All of them gave up, and that's why Jesus was alone by himself on Good Friday. But then the disciples realized after Jesus' resurrection that there's difference between believing in Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. And in the same way, there is a difference between a church that nurtures believers and a church that nurtures disciples. The church that nurtures believers will often grow because they often ask nothing more of their congregants than belief. But the church that nurtures disciples will often shrink because like Jesus on his way to the cross, those disciples will often fall away because of the sacrifice that's being demanded of them. I want us, as hard as it is to do this, to be a church where we nurture disciples. I want us to be a church where we take our beliefs and we put them into action. I want us to be a church that's like those nurses, doctors, clinicians, and grocery store workers that are saving the world right now. I want us to be a church that is willing to do what is right regardless of the consequences. Good Friday may be a time for us to look up at the cross and to really marvel at Jesus' sacrifice, and that is very, very important for us to do. But come Easter Sunday, Jesus expects us to become the sacrifice. May we have the faithfulness to become the kind of disciples that Jesus is calling us to be. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.